Hey guys, great to be with you. My name is Colin. I am one of the pastors here at Gateway Church. We really are living in some very strange days. And as I've been preparing my message, um, my, my prayer really has been that we would know God's faithfulness to us, that we would know that he is so faithful in every way to us through this season. You, you know as a church that we've been living with a prophetic word that we are going to be entering into a new era that is totally unfamiliar to us. And boy, is this a new era for us. I, I think that we were, when we received that word, we were expecting one thing, but what we are experiencing is something totally different to us. God is using the events of, that we're facing right now to shake us, to, to shake the nations of the world and to shake his church. Why? Because he, because he wants people to encounter him. He wants people to experience him, not just to rock up to church and to just sing some songs and to just go through the motions of church life, but he wants people to know him deeply. And I really believe that God is shaking the nations of the world and that through it, he wants to, I believe, revive and restore his church to, to, to bring the healing of the kingdom of God to the nations of the world. And so my heart today, as we walk through Luke 19 together, looking at Palm Sunday today on the beginning of Easter week, is that we would experience Jesus again, that we would see his life and his faithfulness as he journeys towards Jerusalem. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to journey up to Jerusalem with Jesus. Easter really does give us a great opportunity to just come and reflect again on Jesus, to come and see him and his beauty and his majesty all over again, that we, we never become bored with him and his story. And the Easter story really in one sense is like the ultimate dedication where Jesus brings himself and dedicates himself to the purposes of God. And, and he goes on this journey where he starts by coming up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is in a high place. And then Jesus goes on and he goes up to the cross where he is lifted up upon the cross, knowing full well that he would then be raised up to life only to then be taken up to his rightful place at the right hand of his father in glory. You see, the events of Easter, Jesus knew all that was going to happen to him. They, they didn't take him by surprise at all. So we're, we're surprised by the events that are happening right now, but Jesus isn't surprised by what's going on in the nations of the world right now. He is totally aware and totally in control. Uh, on Easter week, the, the events that happened and that took place, so Jesus wasn't surprised, but the people who were with him and around him, they were surprised. They, they weren't expecting that. They were, they were expecting one thing, but experiencing another totally. And so today I want us just to travel the first part of Jesus' journey with him. The, the setting of Palm Sunday, the backdrop of it is Passover festival. And at this time of year, thousands and thousands of people would have been streaming into Jerusalem. Hundreds of thousands of family and friends and neighbors were traveling there to meet with God and to worship God and to bring sacrifices to him. 
And as part of that crowd, in comes Jesus with 12 of his disciples wandering in from Galilee about 100 miles away. And Jesus' disciples, as they've been journeying with him, their hearts are full of anticipation. They're expecting that something is going to go down, that this is a big moment in their story. But they couldn't get their heads around what was going to take place. Is Jesus about to, to, to step onto the throne of David as the, as the Messiah, King of Israel? Is he going to come and bring a new Exodus moment in the history of Israel, leading God's people out from under Rome? They, they had witnessed the power of Jesus firsthand in their own lives. Even just recently, in just a few days pr prior to this moment, they had seen Jesus raise a dead guy to life. On countless times, they'd, they'd witnessed as Jesus brought sight to the blind and caused the deaf to hear and the lame to walk. They, they had seen Jesus over and over set people free from spiritual oppression as he cast out demons. Or they had, they had witnessed on a, a number of occasions Jesus feeding poor and hungry people, thousands of them out in the wilderness with a miraculous provision. And they had heard Jesus over and over teaching them about what the kingdom of God is like. And their expe expectation of Jesus at this time is surely no one or no thing can stop him, not Rome nor his opponents, from taking the throne on Jerusalem. So all kinds of anticipation was filling the hearts of the disciples. And, and along with the disciples, this, this throng, this crowd of people, there would have been many traveling up from Galilee who were choosing to walk close to Jesus because they likewise had witnessed the miracles of Jesus. They, they, they too knew that Jesus was surely more than just a prophet or, or surely he was more than simply a good Bible teacher. There was something so much more about him that people recognized as they encountered Jesus. He, he seemed to fulfill so many prophecies that pointed towards Israel's Messiah King who was to come. And here in the middle of all this noise and all the dust and all the singing and the music and the mayhem, we encountered Jesus in this crowd coming into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Not, not uh, like a military commander would, fresh from the victory of battle, on a war horse, or even a king entering his city for a kingly coronation. No, rather, we see Jesus journeying up to Jerusalem as the Prince of Peace, riding on a beast of burden. A peasant king making his way steadily up to Jerusalem at a slow three miles an hour, not to sit on a throne, but ultimately for the joy that was set before him to embrace the cross. Around Jesus was people like you and me gathering in. They, they, they loved being around Jesus. They, they wanted to see what he was going to do or say next. He was an exciting guy to be with, and, but yet they had no idea what was about to happen over the following week. But there was just something about being with Jesus that overwhelmed their spirits. That, that caused them such joy in life. And, and they thought to themselves, this is it. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the moment that generations of our people have been pointing and praying for and pointing towards that God is with us. 
So as I read from Luke 19 now, I just want us to have that same anticipation, that same expectation that just as Jesus came to his people, that today he's coming to you and I afresh. I want us just to not learn something new, but to experience God afresh in this story. Luke 19, starting at verse 28. Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Simply say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as Jesus had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners came up to them and asked, why are you untying this colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. I just want to pause there for a moment. There are there's sometimes God speaks to us and the Holy Spirit comes and prompts us to do something that is out of the ordinary. It's not in the normal way we, don't, we, we would normally do things. And we don't necessarily understand what it means at the time. But just in this story, we see such a great example of simple, faithful obedience where the answer, even when we don't understand the purposes of God, is we just simply say to him, yes, Lord. Even today, Jesus may be leading you in simple steps of faithfulness, calling you to obedience, prompting you to go somewhere, to phone someone, to bless someone, to pray with someone, to tell someone about him. And maybe he's He's calling you to do that in a way that's completely unlike you. And, and you know the answer to that is, yes, Lord. Verse 35, they brought the colt to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. So here we have the king of the universe, the one who rules over nations and galaxies, the one to whom the, the, the political spheres and, and rulers of the world seem like nothing more than just a grain of sand in comparison to him, and yet he comes riding into town on a donkey. Verse 37. When Jesus came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Why? Because they had just experienced the power and love of Jesus. And when you, when you really encounter him, when you really experience him, his faithfulness, his love, his, his kindness to you, there's something that goes off in your heart. There's, a, there's an overflow of worship in your life as you recognize who he is and what he has done. And, and for these guys, they, they had seen the miracles, but even then just the joy of being with Jesus caused them to sing a psalm, caused them to sing a song of praise and worship and direct it to Jesus. Verse 38, they said this, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They, they recognized that Jesus was coming not just in his own authority, but that he was sent by God. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. These crowds, as they were singing and walking up with Jesus and celebrating his entrance into Jerusalem, they were quoting from a famous psalm of King David, Psalm 
118. And this, this was a psalm that they would sing every year on their way to the Passover festival in Jerusalem. The, the singing, the spontaneity, and the directing it at Jesus, it wasn't an orchestrated event. It was just the overflow of their hearts and of being with Jesus. It, it was an unscripted event. It wasn't as though they had a choreographer saying to them, right, kids, here's your flags, and when, and when Jesus passes by, you need to wave your flag and then quickly lay it on the road in front of him. No, this was just a response of hearts towards the majesty and beauty of King Jesus. And that's true that in the presence of Jesus, when we encounter him in that way, when we, when we experience him in that way, when we see his faithfulness to us, suddenly all of our conversations, our, our planning and arguments, they just cease. It's like God calls time on them. What, what university am I going to go to next year and, and what course am I going to study? What about my pension plan? Or where am I even going to get roll from right now? What about my career? It, it looks like it's just about to go down the pan. And am I even going to be able to afford to pay my mortgage next week? What if I lose my job? I don't even know if I can care for my family and my marriage at this time. And suddenly we see in the midst of all of the noise and the clamor that can be in our hearts and heads, we see Jesus there, a humble king who comes to us, who stands among us, just as he did the crowd on that day. He stands right alongside us and says, I'm here. I'm faithful and I'm true. Receiving Jesus as king, therefore, is really an invitation like these guys to lay down all that we are before him. I wonder what holds us back from doing that. I know in my life there are, there are times and days and parts of my life that I, I hold back from God, but the invitation of God is, no, you've got to be all in. I want all of you, I want every part of you in on this. I want you to worship me and to know me and to see my faithfulness to you. And what, what I love about seeing this journey play out as Jesus traveled up to Jerusalem is that the streets are full of people who are all in for Jesus. The streets are full of people who are holding nothing back from him. You see, they threw down the most expensive item that many of them would have owned. For many of them, they were just peasants. They, they had no earthly wealth whatsoever, but the one thing they had was their coat that, that signified their security and their peace. And yet, as Jesus comes into town, they, they take it off and they lay it down on the road in front of him. Hey, you're the king coming into town. There's nothing I would hold back from you because you're the king of glory. Who am I to hold anything back from the king of glory? Yet the Pharisees and the religious people, they, they did hold back. And there would have been surely some there who, who were standing on the sidelines holding back from Jesus. Maybe even today you're holding back from him or, or you're, you're a follower of Jesus, but you know there are areas of your life that you're standing back and saying, I'm, I'm not sure I can lay this down at your feet, Jesus. But my, my prayer for 
us. My prayer for you and for myself is that there would be no junk in our lives, no, no cloak on our back, no, no, no thing that we place our hope and security in, no, no part of our identity that would not get laid down in front of Jesus in these days. His desire for us is just like that crowd, that we would be all in, that we would give ourselves to him. You see, the, the events of these days that we are living through right now, I, I hope you see that God is shouting to us, that he's saying, I'm your true comfort. I'm your true peace. I'm your true security, your hope and joy. And he, he, he invites us, as he said, will you receive my son as he comes to you today, as he brings you peace, as he brings you comfort? Would you receive him afresh today? Won't you fully throw yourself upon him and let him give you a new song in your heart? The, the guys who were holding back from worshiping Jesus, they said to him, you've got to shut these people up. Verse, verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciple. You, you can't let them say these things about you that you're the Messiah. We don't like it and we don't like you, that was what was in their heart. And yet Jesus simply turns to them and he says this, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones themselves will cry out. You know, when Jesus says the stones themselves will cry out, he's, he's talking about you and I, he's talking about us. In Ephesians, the apostle Paul, he writes this, you were dead in your sin and you were dead in your trespasses and yet God has come and made you alive. The whole point of Palm Sunday, the whole point of creation, the whole point of your life is that what it's all really about is that God is to be glorified, Father, Son, and Spirit. You see, the whole design of the universe is that Jesus would be worshipped and praised for all eternity. Just a short while later, after Jesus makes his way up into Jerusalem. The sounds of the crowd as they celebrated his entry begin to die out. And they would, the sound of that celebration would soon be betrayed by the sound of stone hearts. There, there was a couple of days later another gathering where again a crowd were gathered around Jesus. And this time rather than the cry going out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, a different cry went up that day. A cry that simply said, crucify him. I guess it's probably likely that there were some people in both crowds, uh, some who were praising and blessing him and now cursing him and calling for his death. I, I think that because his disciples didn't particularly have a good track record at this moment. One of them one of them betrayed him, another denied him, but all of them ended up abandoning him. Many people who welcomed Jesus into the city, they were hoping for this warrior king who would, who would bring them political freedom, freedom from the oppression of Rome. Hey, if, if, if Jesus is going to be lifted up as king, a warrior king, then I'll follow him. I'm happy to lay my cloak down for a guy like that. I think there were some in the crowd who were hoping for that kind of experience. But what they saw was something totally different. You see, Jesus says, my kingdom isn't of 
this world. And these people who, who one moment were worshipping and praising Jesus and, and the next neglecting him and calling for him to be crucified, they, they were standing next to, right next to the very king who for generations, generation after generation, they had been waiting for. They, they were stood right next to him. They, they had waited their whole lives for him and yet they still missed him. You see, they had wrong expectations about who the saving king is. And Palm Sunday really shows us that this is so true that so often Jesus doesn't meet our expectations of what God should be like. I mean, he does, but he does it on his own term. He, he, he not only meets expectations, but he actually far exceeds them, but he does it in a way that we often don't want him to. As I said earlier, we're, we're, we're expecting one thing, but we experience something totally different. Hey, Jesus, the savior of the world, king of the world, who comes and is crucified. A servant king who comes not to be served, but to serve. You see, the, the kingdom of Jesus is totally an upside down kingdom to the values of the world in which we live. Tim Keller, he, he describes what the true king looks like, the one who really is worthy of us laying our lives down before him. And he says this, the true king is invincible. He's invincible in battle and yet so tender-hearted, so meek, so modest. The true king's eyes are the first to flash with anger at evil, but his eyes are also the first ones to cry in the presence of beauty, the first to cry in the presence of sorrow. This is what the true king is. The true king is someone who is the bravest and the sweetest. This Jesus whom we meet on this walk up into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday is the one whom by the very way in which he entered the city, he says to you, I am the true king that you've been waiting for. I am the true king that you have been looking for. And so my prayer for us as we close now is that we would not miss him this Easter. You see, Jesus comes to us as a humble servant king. He's not going to force his kingdom upon you. He's not going to force you to, to throw your life down before him. But as he comes to you today, he does offer that you would come and inherit the kingdom that he has established. He, he invites you into his life. So I want to pray for us today that we would gain just right now, we would encounter the faithfulness of Jesus. And maybe for some of you, that's for the very first time. And as you come to Jesus, even as you see that he's the king who enters into the city humbly, you, you realize, gosh, he's coming to me humbly today. And, and maybe you've realized that for the first time. And the, and the response to that is that you humble yourself before Jesus, that you lay down, you bring all you are, and you lay yourself down before him. And you say, Jesus, you are Lord and savior of my life. Maybe for some of you, you've been walking with Jesus for many, many years. You've seen his power. You, you know his glory. You've, you've tasted of his majesty and you know he's good. But there are areas of your life that you're needing to lay down once again. To, to say, God, I'm all in in this time. Lord, you're shaking the nations of the earth. You're shaking my life. There's nothing that, that doesn't belong to you. And, and it's like a wake-up call, this moment we're in. And maybe again, you just need to come and say, 
Jesus, you're so faithful. I bring myself and all that I am to you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you gave your son as a gift to us, not to come and condemn the world, but to save and rescue the world. And Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who who comes to us in meekness and in majesty, in power and in love, in humility, but yet with the power of heaven at your disposal. And I thank you, King Jesus, that you are here with us today. Even as the nations are being shaken, you, you stand absolutely secure, absolutely faithful, absolutely true, absolutely certain in the midst of it all, even as kings and idols of our lives fall down right now, even as the nations scramble for solutions and answers, there you stand, King Jesus, faithful and true. And I pray today that our hearts again would would see you and glimpse you and we would experience you and encounter you afresh all over again. That, that you would win our hearts again in a new way, Lord. As we look on this new era, we, we would say, this is not what I was expecting. This is not what I was even wanting. But Lord, in it, may I encounter you and know you again. So I pray your spirit would come to each and every person who is listening right now. I pray you would fill us afresh with a spirit of boldness and a spirit of courage in these days to to know that you are faithful and true, to receive you with an eager anticipation, just like the disciples had, an eager expectation that you're going to do something remarkable even in these days. And I pray that our hearts would be strengthened by being near you and that, that even just being near you would, even in these moments, draw a new song of worship up from deep within us. Have your way among us, I pray. And Lord, for those who don't know you, those who've never encountered you before, those who've never even realized that you you come to them as a humble servant king and you say, would you lay your life down for me? Uh, Those who've never experienced you before, I pray that today that there would be a new song of praise in their hearts, a, a response that goes up and says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. So Lord, have your way among us in these days. Lord, have your way among us as a church community in these days. Have your way among the nations in these days for your glory. I pray this, King Jesus, but also for our joy and our peace and our hope. In your mighty, precious name, amen.